outrun these guys? Not your missiles and guns. Then it's a dogfight. An F-14 against fifth-gen fighters? It's not the plane, it's the pilot. You'd go after him if I wasn't here. But you are here. Come on, Mav. Don't think. Just do. Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours, and that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning, and right now he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Weather's a little wonky. I thought I was going to enjoy a little bit better weather down at the Deer Lease this weekend, but turned out a little warmer than expected, but it was still still not too bad. But yeah, we got a little unexpected rain and a little unexpected humidity down here. It's not really fall weather. Did you get a deer? I did not. I, I don't really envision that this year. We didn't have a real good crop this year. So might be waiting for the, the dough days to get some meat in the fridge and might be a lot more, uh, a lot more kid hunting this year, which is fine by me. I, I like watching them, but uh, I'm not too mad at them this year. That's cool. What a, when you get deer, what do you do? Do you typically do venison or what do you do? Yeah, I, I, I'm a big backstrap guy. Um, usually get, um, you know, cut little thin steaks out of those and chicken fry them. And then uh, sometimes we'll do like jerky or sausage or whatever. My in-laws run a, a meat packing plant. So I kind of let them do what they do with, with a lot of it. But I, I'm basically just in it for the backstrap and the, and the, the little, little general and steaks and stuff like that. You know, it's funny. I just realized I made a, I grew up calling what you just described backstrap venison. It's all venison, obviously. Yeah, I want to correct you, but, but yeah, but it if, is all if, venison. But if you make sausage out of it, I don't call it venison. Does that make sense? Well, it's a mix. It's a mix at that point, right? Yeah, Unless, I guess it's true. You know, so I'll give you credit. You can get away with that one. Yeah, so yeah you're, no, it, it is you're all kind. venison. You're nice. Yeah, we. Uh, I'm having Colorado weather right now, man. It was 67 degrees today and like flawless. And uh, a week ago, we had three inches of snow on the ground. So Colorado weather, man, but it's going to be heading one direction. So I'll, I'll see if I can hang with the Colorado winter. Be interesting. Like I said, been, only been up there for days at a time, but enjoyed it. I, I don't know what, uh, what three or four weeks of it coupled into a couple months of it would do to me. So. Well, we'll they see. tell me it's sporadic, like it's cold and then it's nice and then it's cold and sun comes out. So it's not a big deal. But uh, the sun came out for the Texas Longhorns on Saturday. We had a, uh, we as a fan base have a lot built up 
because even when we went up 31-10, I was thinking, I hope we hold on and win by a touchdown. Yeah, I think everybody's kind of at that point <laughs> at, the, at the stage of the game, honestly. Well, we held on but, and uh, won by a touchdown. You said you said the sun came up. It went behind the clouds a couple times. It <laughs> had, did go behind the clouds. Out. Yeah, the, the second half offense went behind the clouds, as it's done a few times this year. Uh, the defense hung on just enough. Uh, Keandre Coburn, it seems like we kept, kept making them put the ball on the ground. We finally recovered one of them. And, finally got uh, one. Finally got one, yep. Keandre uh, overcame a clothesline to uh, to punish not AJ. Sure that... Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say not sure that was a legal block, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he 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 overcame it. He did, and then uh, punished Adrian Martinez for uh, bad ball control. He uh, he does not have good habits when it comes to that, and he's done that since he was starting at Nebraska, and he's he's never broken it. He he'd been better actually this year. He hadn't turned it over much, but he kind of fell back to old habits. And uh, yeah, I, I I reviewed the the game again, and on defense. Man, Keandre Coburn, Ryan Watts, Jalen Ford take a victory lap. Jalen Ford had one bad lapse very early in the game where he didn't carry up Deuce Vaughn and when he was in zone coverage. But man, where would we be without that guy playing linebacker? Yeah, he's he's improved so much. I mean, he, every once in a while on a zone drop, he'll kind of get lost a little bit. But I mean, some of the plays he's making right now, I mean, if you watch that first game against ULM, I mean... I don't think anybody would have seen that coming, but man, he's been so solid and so, so consistent for us. Um, and you know, now he's, now he's making plays, right. He's just not a solid football player. He's making plays for us. Uh, I thought Watts had an unbelievable game. I mean, he's turned into a player. I mean, that was probably my biggest concern going into the game was if he was going to play coming off of his little, uh, injury deal. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Coburn interior D line in general, um, Finkley flashed a couple times. I think you get him some reps. You know, you got some, you got something there. Um, the crazy thing is you still see like Sorrell and Ogofu showing up like 15 yards down the field trying to cover outs, which I know is part of the defense, but it's, just, it's, it's, it's strange to me. It's like, well, at this point in time, it is what it is, right? It, they're not going to cover anybody. They're just hopefully they make the tackle. I mean, I, I would just rather put in another defensive back. I mean, what, what, what purpose is that serving? You know, the, the beauty of having a, a good edge rusher who's versatile drop into coverage is it's a big change up, right? It's a big mind screw to a quarterback who's just used to a certain sight picture, throwing something out on timing, right? But there's no, first of all, Gofu's not going to make a play <laughs> on the ball. And then um, you, I don't know if you, you saw the little cut up I did on Inside Texas of... Uh, he didn't rush, but he didn't also drop into zone. He just kind of stood at the near the line. There's um, a couple of those. And he, he jumped types. forward with both feet like a, he was in a potato sack race while Adrian Martinez just threw the ball out to their little fullback who released across his face to get out into the flat. And DeMarvin Overshow and ran him down. And that's when the guy tried to hurdle uh, you know, the Texas defenders. And they got an easy gain out of it. But it's just, it's just yeah, a, weird, it's a weird call. It's a weird use of personnel. I don't know if he's supposed to be a spy there or what. I mean, I think I, he's I a spy. But if so, it's a but very strange way to play it. Well, he's an offset spy, right? He's not even in the middle of the field, and he's not athletic enough to tackle Adrian Martinez in the open field. So, 
I don't know. I don't know what purpose that is is being served there, but hey, I don't know. They played. They played well enough to win, and they played really, really well in spurts. Uh, just it's like a couple times they just can't get out of their own way. You know, just get the ball on the ground. We can't recover it, or there's just that one back breaking offsides or personal foul penalty. Just just something dumb happens just every once in a while to just keep it from finally coming together, you know? And I don't, I mean, I don't think anybody that's watched this team is, we're not expecting a shut down great defense out of that group, right? Like, I mean, at this point we know, but they play very, very competent football in stretches. And it's yeah. like if they just minimize the, the glaring mistakes, you know, they probably give it 14 points. Offense could have helped them without turning the ball over a couple of times, granted. Um, but, you know, they give up 14, 17. We're out of there comfortably, no problem. Yeah, the 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 frustrating thing to me was they're playing well, as you said, in spurts. They get Kansas State in first and thirty-five, yeah, and bail them out with the only thing that can bail them out. It's either going to be a blown coverage downfield or a personal foul. That's the only thing that's going to bail them out there. Kansas State gets the bailout and they go on and score a touchdown on that possession. That's what it made it 31-17. And that's when it becomes a football game again, right? The crowd's back in it. Texas players and coaches are going, oh no, here we are again. And yeah, you just kind of feel it. Uh, Talk about competent and stretches. The offense was ultra competent in the first half, they scored on five of their f- six possessions. The only possession they didn't score was, do you remember? Fumble. Roshan Johnson, of all people, not the guy you'd expect to fumble. It's a great call, actually. They set him up at fullback. Bijan is the halfback on sh- fourth and one. And they run Roshan inside and f- pretend they're going to flip it out to Bijan. And some K-State edge guys ba- you know, bite on that. We get a great block at the point of attack, and Roshan just powers downhill. Then he gets stripped from behind. An amazing play. Yeah, he just didn't feel him. He didn't feel him. He also was carrying it a little loose, but when you kind of open it up, you you tend to carry it a little loose, right? He's on the 10-yard line. He's thinking, I'm going to score. Yeah, I don't don't know how K-State – it's been the last time or the only time I was at that stadium was a long time ago. I don't know what their TV deal is, but it reminds me of the the 96 play, the roll left, right, where – Lewis is running down the field and you can see him like looking up at the TV screen to see who's behind him. And he yep. like covers up the ball. I just wonder if Roshan wasn't used to having the, the screens at Texas and knowing somebody's behind him. And I'm sure it was loud there at that point in time too. So yeah, I mean, it was a little loose, but I don't know. It was a great play by their guy. I mean, good hustle swats it out in, in our luck, it bounces right to their guy. And said, I will say this, uh, I think it was Keelan Robinson. Um, for no real apparent reason other than just he was hustling was busting ass down the field and almost got on top of that. Yeah. Even though there was like four Kansas state guys around. Um, so, I mean, obviously he's probably looking for somebody to block if he can, but he's probably two, three yards behind the play and probably wasn't going to happen. So like I said, that was, that was impressive for me for a guy that sees, you know, two to three touches a game impacts the game on special teams, you know, the ball bounces just a little bit to the left. He may recover that, and we're not talking about it. So, no, and and you know, if, even if Roshan gets tackled there, or we recover the fumble, the way the momentum was, the way things were going, Texas is going up thirty-eight ten. Oh yeah, we're scoring, and yeah, you got a chance to put that thing on ice. Yep. Well, as much as we can put anything on ice. So, well, true. Yeah, true. 
Uh, we, had Bijan, a couple, we had a couple chances to put it on ice offensively and defensively and didn't do it. And that's yeah. kind of a recurring theme as well. So Bijan Robinson, freaking awesome. Uh, I mean, he, this was, this is why you, you don't wear him out early in the season. This is why when you've got a good back like Roshan, when you've got a good back like Keelan, you spread it out a little bit, even if you want to, I know people want him to win the Heisman and run up a bunch of stats and, you know, in the fourth quarter against a lesser team, but this is why you preserve him this stretch. And, uh, they put a saddle on his ass and rode him 32 touches, you know, 34 yards receiving 209 yards rushing. Uh, I mean, he ran hard. He, he had big plays, obviously. Uh, he, he showed his only weakness as a runner really, which is, you know, couldn't quite top it off. Right. He doesn't have that extra gear on the top end, but you know, I guess Cindy Crawford's got a mole. Uh, <laughs> it, it's all good. It's a, uh, a great analogy there. B. John Robinson, uh, pretty awesome football player. I'm going to miss that guy. Yeah, no, I mean, he. I expect them to saddle him up two more weeks, honestly, and they should. Um, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing what he gets out of nothing. It's amazing what he gets out of plays that are blocked for five. I mean, it's just it, it's the vision and the shiftiness that he has that that he's able to to mix with a little bit of power here and there. Um, it's not like, I mean, he's not getting walked down all the time. It just every, every so often happens, but hell, I mean, Emmett Smith couldn't run out of sight in a day. No. And I mean, worked out pretty well for him. So he's, yeah, Walter I, Payton. I, think, I think he's, yeah. I mean, I think he's got a great career in front of him. Um, I just, I just hope we get to see him maybe hopefully four more times. Yeah, it's possible. It's very possible. Uh, hey, speaking of shifty, Xavier Worthy, you don't think of a 165-pound receiver being a red zone threat. But if you're going to man up on Xavier Worthy in the red zone, which, hey, man, I, what are your options, right, at that point, uh, particularly with Bijan running the ball well, that guy is cat quick. And obviously, Ewers made two good throws, but holy Great. Holy cow. Uh, and Xavier Worthy was doing that to a guy who's going to be on the all Big 12 teams, you know, as a cornerback in, in Bordeaux. Yeah. yeah, he made him look silly. I mean, there's, there's no two ways about it. I mean, th those are just great routes by a great route runner. I mean, he, he just has it. Like we've talked about it before. I mean, as far as like hands and, and everything, probably has a little bit of development to do. But when it comes to being able to leave somebody, he has a knack for being able to set somebody up and make them look stupid even even on some like some of the routes that he makes them look dumb on it's like where, where was he faking you to yeah you know it's like he was two feet from the sideline and he gave you an outcut like where was he going and then all of a sudden he's by you on a post it's just he just has a knack for being able to set people up it's crazy and he's super fast and and twitchy to begin with but uh it's just he has a feel for being able to set people up Jatavian Sanders, huge first half. He had four catches for 44 yards. We weren't just hitting him in a traditional tight end way, right, that we had been all year. A uh, couple times, we line him up out wide. I mean, he's the widest receiver on the field getting a cornerback matchup. And we're just shrugging and saying, hey, he's got 60 pounds on your corner, and he's bigger and stronger. So he's going to run a little in route, in cut. And we're just going to throw it to him. And uh, there's not much you can do about it. I just, he just bodies the guy up, but uh, he, he's another guy that's got 
I mean, I know he played out wide a lot in high school, you know, when he was kind of doing his thing there and probably played very, very little tight end, if any. Um, I didn't get to see him a whole lot, but um, just another guy with kind of a knack for how to get open, um, which as a tight end is probably even more valuable than as a wide out, just being able to find either find the holes or be able to set guys up and use leverage, uh, which obviously he has a lot of as big as he is, but great hands, just really, really, I'm excited to see what he turns into over the course of his career. Cause I mean, he's probably barring something crazy, going to break the tight end receiving record. Um, yeah. Held by David Thomas. Know. So he'll need another full year. Well, he might need two more years to do it. Actually, I got to look that up. I just meant the, I meant regular or single season. Oh, single season. Yeah. yeah, I think I saw he needs like less than 200 yards to break the single season. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Thomas, yeah. I think he had a year with 50 or 55 catches for. Yeah. No, I'm yards. talking about reception. I was talking about okay. yards. Gotcha. Sorry. I thought you meant career. No, yeah, yeah, it's my fault. He, he's the best tight end we've had since Jermichael Finley. Uh, a wise man wrote that in the preseason preview. And, uh, I had a couple of private emails. Was that an Eric? Was that an Eric's little blurb at the end? Yes, that's right. That's okay, right. That's, that's what right. I swear that's I figured right. it was. No, Randy. <laughs> I write a book, you jerk. I've even sent you it. I know you didn't read it, but uh, yeah, when I wrote that, I actually got a couple of people wrote me emails saying, "Hey, I hope it's. I hope you know you're not just selling me a bill of goods on Jatavian Sanders. He's never started." And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is what's going to happen. But no, the- you know, I, I got to say, a good half of the Longhorn fa- fan base or more, including some media people I won't mention, they thought Jaleel Billingsley was going to be our starting tight end this year, which I just, I don't get it. No, I mean, he, he's got a skill set. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. you see it. And, he, and in the last couple of weeks, I'll tell you this, he's blocked a hell of a lot better than I expected him to. Functionally, I mean, he's not going to line up and maul somebody. But if you pull him or whatever, he can get in somebody's way and, and use leverage and, and do what he wants. But uh, like I said, he's got a skill set. But in terms of comparing the two overall skill set, I mean, I don't think there's much question anymore um, as to who's the who's the better, quote unquote, every down tight end. Yeah. Offensive line. Fantastic good game. I mean, I, I thought they played stretches that they were dominant. And, and that's. That's a good defensive line they played with some playmakers too. It's not like your Joe Blow, Kansas State, try hard, you know, average defensive line. Like there, there's some good players on that line, and they they held their own and then some. Yeah, only one a thing. Couple, only a couple bust too. No, only a couple, and and I think actually only two tackles for loss from Kansas State, which both of them were bad calls, frankly. Which Sark came out later, which I appreciated, and said, "Hey, I I got to make a better call." Uh, I was pretty critical of that fourth down, or not fourth down, the third down call on 327 left on the clock, and we did the little the, flip out on a nine-man box. The one at the end? Yeah. And yeah, I you, just, you just can't make lot. that. That's a bad call. That's a bad play. Yeah. A, a lot of people brought up the, the initial penetration on that, which, no. good luck to Jones. I think yeah. it was on Jones' side, right? It's Christian Jones, and yeah, he, I mean, he's supposed good, to reach block that guy. Yeah, good, good luck on making that block as an NFL tackle, let alone – you know, a average college tackle. Um, but if he blocks that guy, I, I just got done rewatching this. Play. Two other guys are standing there. It's going nowhere. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's got nothing. So that's one where you would like to think, and I don't know this, 
that your quarterback would have the freedom at the line, or it's a look check with me type situation where we look over and like, Hey, they got like four on three over there. Yeah, if it, if five on three. What do you what do you think? Maybe maybe something else. But, well, so let me, uh, I, I don't know if he's got the freedom to do that. He doesn't. What it is. So. He does not. He does not. And yeah. let me give the the devil's advocate the strong man the, the strong argument for Sark here, right? I thought we should have ran a different play. I don't think you want, want to run uh, like a check with me or empower someone to audible when it's a true freshman on the road, crowds going crazy. You're down seven. It's a key play in the game. Do you want your freshman quarterback like counting up the box and then, you know, audibling into a different call? You've already had four offsides that half. You've got, you know, I understand the desire to protect him, but I think the way you protect him is you you call a pass <laughs> and, and you have a little pop pass to a, a blocker, right? The third and seven call, um, I guess it was a series before that was what, what kind of what Sark hit on after the game of the press conference is like, I didn't want to put the ball in jeopardy. Yep. So we ran a play such as that, where it's probably going to be a touchdown or nothing. You would think that we have something else in the playbook there where it's crossing the backfield Sanders on a little two yard slip screen with maybe Whittington somehow out in front. There was a couple of really, really good play calls where he had like some crossing action in the backfield and, the, the one to uh, to Keelan, the little like forward flip, you know, you had Whittington in motion in front of him. So, I mean, he's got ways to set guys up um, where they end up with a blocker and it's almost no risk play. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you're going to run it, probably could have been a little bit better run call. Um, but I don't, I don't disagree. I mean, you almost knew they had nine in the box coming after you right there because they were going to make you throw it to beat them. Yeah. Just, you can throw it to beat them. Just, throw a very, very high percentage throw. Yeah. And, and, you know, if you're going to, if you want to turf it there and just run the play and, and I'm, I get it. I get it. Uh, you don't run outside. It gets to, it's against the nine man front yeah. and I'm not exaggerating. To, that the wasn't... Short, to the short side too. I hate tosses to the short side. Well, we I, used, I, I, we I used like to him. do it all the time. It, I mean, it drove me crazy. The only reason we ever did it is because it was the sideline that we were on. <laughs> And our head coach has been yelling at the freaking referees the whole time that that wasn't holding. It's not holding. It's not holding. So he was in their ear. But, man, we used to run toss to the short side all the time. It drove me nuts. Well, in high school, I'm going to defend your coach here, Randy. In high school, as you know, a lot of teams, just as their base, they slant to the wide side of the field and their their D-line. And so you're trying to catch them, right? And it it still doesn't work. <laughs> this, this is the this is this is in the fourth quarter after we run into the short side the whole game. They were they were no longer slanting to the strong side. Not fooled. They were they were like two people over to the, to the weak side. They're, they're overplaying. They're still, the weak we're side. still doing it, but eh, whatever it worked. Most of well, so I, I would say if, if you want to run the ball there against a nine man front, you actually run the ball inside, and what you're you hoping crease it. you try crease to crease it, and and you're hoping that. You know, Hayden Connor and Jake Majors like get pancakes. A linebacker misses your running back, or or Roshan or Bijan runs him over, and then you've got a seventy-yard run. Right? That's that's how it, it works most of the time. It's negative one or zero or one, uh, but at least you're not going to have negative five or negative right. seven or something crazy. So let, let me ask you this because I heard uh, I don't remember if it was maybe lunch with the coach or or one of them, and I agree with him. I want to see what you think. Do you think Sark had two plays there or no? Nope. 
You don't think so? You think nope. it's first down or bust? What do you mean? Oh, you think he was going to go for it on fourth? If, if he gets a yard and a half and it's fourth and one or fourth and a half yard. So I think there's a, so it was, first of all, it's third and four. Right. Uh, I, say, so I would say there's a 35% chance he had another, we were going to go for it. Uh, we had I mean, obviously play. you lose five. It's you're, you're done. You're done. So, which is why you don't run outside. Uh, but yeah, you know, coach Irwin, I, I didn't see that one, but I, let me guess. He thought maybe we were going for it on fourth. I'm pretty sure that was him. I don't know. I can't remember which one it was, but I think he was the one that mentioned that, hey, it, you know, you get what you said it was uh, third and four. It was third and four. So if you yeah, got you three, get, you get three, three and a half there, and it's it's less than a yard. I mean, no I know the position's not exactly in your, your favor there, but. Yeah, he would have to have a good play. That's for sure. On I don't, I don't know that foot. the 55 yard punt was in his, in the back of his mind as a distinct possibility from. That was pretty. Pretty unexpected, but nice to see. Pretty clutch. Yeah. That that whole end of game sequence, it reminded me how few people, including coaches, understand the college clock. And by the way, Sark didn't do anything wrong. Uh, but No, but K-State did. K-State did. Oh. It, holy cow. I, I was almost like, I was like, thank God they're doing this. But I was part of the football purist of me was like, hey, man, give me the headset here for a second because I'm, I'm going to help you guys win the game <laughs> real quick. Um, but the other part of it is a bunch of UT fans were like, well, you got to run the ball there on third and four because no. you, you, you want to run clock. And I'm like, no, no, no. There's 327 on the clock. They have two or three timeouts. The clock is literally irrelevant. The only thing relevant to the clock at that point is getting, is getting a first down, so you have three more plays to run the clock. And then you can actually get the clock down under two minutes, right? Or you make them burn all their timeouts. Either way, correct. you're good to go. Um, but, dude, Tom Herman used to drive me effing. <laughs> For a Mensa dude, allegedly Mensa guy, like to not understand how the clock works. I just wanted to shake him, and he did it multiple times. Uh, I, but I see it every weekend. College coaches really struggle with it. And you know what's weird? The higher-end high school coaches in the state of Texas are great at it. So what the hell? What's that about? I don't feel like it's a real strong suit in the NFL either. Well, there's some really good coaches that can't – Andy Reid can't manage a clock, and he's a great coach everywhere else, right? I don't know, man. I, maybe it's just a skill. I, I, I don't know. It's weird. I, I'm it, telling it, you. It, it just like my, the people that I was around in my football life, that was like a big deal in practice. Like we ran two minute drill and it was, you know, hey, we completed this, you know, we'd go down against <laughs> air and be like, hey, holding penalty, clock's going to start, you know, on the snap. Short like, side run. <laughs> Yeah, short side <laughs> toss, automatic, automatic. But I <laughs> uh, quit bringing up old memories. But it, I mean, it was a big deal. Like we practiced these things. We're like, hey, we got a penalty. We got to get on the ball and we got to go. Or hey, if this happens, and we have two timeouts left. Like we're probably going to clock it in this situation. We're not. Whatever. And I don't know. In my high school career, we probably ran two minute drill like six times yeah maybe not super common but we but but we practiced all the time because yeah. it was drill like it was a big deal to our you know our coaching uh staff and 
don't know. I just Herman definitely didn't care. He didn't care about special teams either, but that's a whole another topic. Um, but yeah, some guys just aren't real good at it. I, I mean, like you said, Sark didn't do anything wrong, but he's definitely had his moments over the course of his career, or at, at least at Texas, where there's been some questionable decisions. And I, I don't know what Kleiman was thinking, honestly. I just he he made some reference to the, the last week where he thought he had messed something up in his post game. And he didn't want to be in that situation again. I was like, well, I don't know what you messed up last week, but it must have been a lot worse than this. Yeah, you were <laughs> so pretty good against the Oklahoma week before. State. Not, not, yeah, it wasn't the Oklahoma game. It was the one, the, uh, t- maybe the TCU game. Hmm. But I, I don't know. It was just, it was a strange, strange deal. Maybe his thinking was we're going to go score, no time left on the clock, and we're going to go for two and just win the game. Yeah, maybe. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. At, at that point, I as the home team with all the momentum, I wouldn't mind going to overtime. Uh, yeah, it's situational, right? I mean, if you're running all over somebody and just moving the ball at will, you know, sometimes it pays to just end the game. Uh, we saw that recently, yeah. right? LSU, Brian Kelly, he showed some I did, stones. I, I said it at the time. I think even texted y'all, uh, "What a pair of stones!" And then I went back and looked at. it. I was like, "No, it's absolutely the call." Yeah. Like, I don't even know if there's a decision we made there. Well, but there is, and most coaches won't make it because it's yeah. scary, right? It's really scary. I mean, so you got okay, you're gonna tie it up, you're gonna not stop Alabama again. Right. You're probably gonna score again because they can't stop you. And then you're gonna play two point conversion game against them the rest of the time, right? Yep. Let's play well point, let's go ahead and just play the two point conversion game without giving the ball back to Bryce Young again. Yeah, I, that's it. And he, that's... And, and he had a play call in mind already, which the story behind that was pretty funny. Uh, I didn't realize that at the time, but it was pretty nice. Did you, did, you, did you hear that? No, bring it. So when he was at Notre Dame, uh, I guess they ran that exact same play against Florida State however many years ago um, on a two-point conversion, and they got called for a double pick or a pick uh, offensive pass interference because his two wide receivers literally – I saw the highlight. I mean, I – they basically ran in the end zone and tackled the defensive backs and the tight end just <laughs> released. Got it. He's, he's wide open. Um, and he just made the comment. And I think I know what he was getting at. It was basically like, hey, we've practiced this and I've been through it before and I've told my wide receivers, don't do that because it'll get called. But he said, I had the perfect play and I knew we weren't going to get called for a pick this time. And it just sounded funny because, you know, he was playing at home and, and whatever. I was like, oh, you knew, huh? <laughs> that's awesome but uh but yeah it, it was an experience comment is what he meant like i have coached this correctly and they will not do it again but no i did, I, I thought it was a great call i'll say this brian kelly pretty good football coach they they've traveled some distance between getting their ass kicked by florida state in the opener and where they are today i was listening to i was listening to a podcast away uh today on the way back and uh the the caller had a really good point he goes Hey, what's LSU's season look like right now if they run that play against Florida State instead yeah. of getting there instead of getting the field goal block? Oh, oh my God! Yeah, you're right. They got one loss, Tennessee. Would they be a? Would they be like ranked third? Probably. A, yeah, third or fourth. Nuts. Yeah, his 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 uh, his crazy accent, uh, morphicism doesn't look so bad now. Did you just Everybody's coin a new? Like, did you just coin a new word? Is that a Yokum word? Did. 
Morphicism. Morphicism. <laughs> is that when you morph, but you when also... you morph and the size at the same time? <laughs> That's awesome. If you had a morphicism uh, pitch, Randy, you'd still be pitching today. No one could true. hit the morphicism. I would. I would. <laughs> I would. All right, man. I'd have, I'd have been the MVP instead of Pena when it should have been Framber Valdez, but never mind. You know what? You have some pitching uh, bitterness there, which the pitcher is not appreciated fully. And you know what? You're actually correct because Framber was flawless and amazing. Two World Series outings that he was absolutely nails, and they give it to the everyday hitter. Pitchers, no respect, huh, Randy? I get it. Pena was really, really good. He just was like good. Just like everybody thought when they didn't re-sign Correa, right? That's right. Ah, we're good. He'll be he'll be the World Series MVP. Yeah, I, I had some butt hurt. <laughs> I had some butt hurt Astros fans in my life who were complaining about the Correa thing. Although uh, Gabe Winslow, our friend, was not one of them. He no, he was on board. He was on board. He saw the ultimate wisdom of it. And the reason is Gabe's a really smart guy and he can think a step ahead. And that's something you want in a mortgage guy. If you're out looking for a house, you need to give Gabe a call. 832-557-1095 or go to mortgagesbygabe.com. That's 832-557-1095. Why should you contact Gabe? Well, now more than ever, you need an awesome guy on your side who's not only smart, but also ethical and full of integrity. And there are a lot of tricks that you have right now that good mortgage guys who can know how to structure a deal can avail themselves of to get you a competitive interest rate. Paul, what did you just say? Interest rates are high. Listen, there are people right now, it has moved from a seller's market to a neutral market in most of Texas. That means most sellers understand that they can buy down points to help put you into their house and give you a reasonable mortgage until it's time to refi and interest rates come down. Talk to Gabe Winslow about how you can do that. He's he's capable of this. He's he's a solution-oriented guy. And I can tell you, I talked to other realtors who shall be unnamed, and they've had mortgage guys botch how to do this and execute it. And maybe it's like uh, head coaches and running, knowing how to run the clock. Maybe there's just an IQ part of this, just like raw mental horsepower of knowing how to structure this. Gabe is that guy. He's got horsepower aplenty. Give him a call, 832-557-1095. And then, of course, if you're looking for a house in Centex, get a call to Laura Baker. She's awesome at what she does. Obviously, the market has changed a little bit. And I mentioned it's a neutral housing market right now in the state of Texas. Well, that means if you're a seller or a buyer, you have a very different set of circumstances that you need to deal with. And you need the very best possible realtor to do that. She is a award-winning member of the Andy Allen team of Keller Williams. You can give her a call at 512-784-0505. That's 512-784-0505. All right, Randy, we're back. Are you wearing a Colorado hat? I'm wearing a state of Colorado hat, not a Colorado buffalo. No, 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 no. Nobody would do that. Uh, Circa 1990 Promise Keepers. Unless you're... Rashawn Salam or one of those guys, <laughs> Cordell Stewart. I, I saw, I was at the game where Rashawn Salam ran for over 300 yards against Texas. And I uh, got to give a shout out to Daniel Graham, who uh, was his tight end. Wow. Uh, no, it wasn't Daniel Graham. It was Christian Fourier. Christian Fourier was his tight end. And Christian Fourier played about 12 years in the league. Because he was 240 pounds. He was not like Jason Peters out there playing blocking tight end. 
but he was the most flawless technical blocking tight end I've ever seen in my life. And he literally had 12 or 13 pancakes in that game on Texas defensive ends. I'm, I was just impressed that you remember the name of a tight end from the Colorado team back in the day. So I, I do, you could have told me his name is Shane Smith and I'd be like, cool. Well, I was at, I was at the game <laughs> and I was like, why are, why are our defensive ends continually on their back with a dude, you know, sitting on top of them. And I started watching him as Christian Fourier. And I was yeah, like, I remember wow. him in the league. He was good. He's really, yeah, good. he was good. I mean, he, he basically stuck around in the lead just being a competent, pass catcher and an amazing blocker i think he does uh like a studio show on one of the sports channels now i don't know anyway good job christian way to help out rashawn did rashawn win the heisman i want to say yes i'm probably wrong i don't know that was i'm gonna look that up randy fill fill this time as i look this up with your with your grievances about baseball pitchers not getting enough uh, credit. No, I'll leave that one alone. But it, that's just the, the two biggest games of the series. He just goes out and basically just throws his nuts on the mound and shoves. It's kind of hard to take. But, yeah, Pena did hit a cool 400 for the series and pretty much dominate everything. But uh, Okay, Rashawn Salam won the Heisman in 1994. Yeah, I thought so. That Pena has a real was, opportunity. Obviously, he's not in New York, but he's a good-looking guy. Uh, he's very telegenic. He's young. He's rich. I think he's going to put up a hit list like Derek Jeter that could be proud of well, pretty soon. You know, just your typical University of Maine shortstop. Ball, <laughs> That's they, just, right. they they trot him out and just crank him out like nothing up there. So, hey, as a brief aside, I want to get back to Texas. Do you enjoy the the you know what shit posting is? Uh, no. Okay. It's every time you post, Randy. No, I'm just kidding. It's that, well, that's, that's <laughs> far between. <laughs> shit posting is where you go on to any random topic at like Reddit or any forum and you just start typing nonsense that you know will antagonize the people who care deeply. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you're just poking the, poking the bear. Start the I, that stuff. Gotcha. I find it amusing to come on during very tense Astros games and come on to a, a little text message thread that we have Gabe Winslow, our esteemed mortgage guy, uh, Randy and myself. And while they're babbling about the Astros filling up my stupid phone, I like to come on in the ninth inning and say just nonsensical stuff that Randy has a great sense of humor and he gets sarcasm, but I know at some baseball level, he's very irritated at the, the observations I'm making. Yeah. Uh, Gabe sometimes will fall for it, but he usually understands that I'm shit posting yeah. as well, but yeah. I had some good ones. I thought, no, yeah, there were some good ones a lot over the world series for sure. No, I even made the comment. I was like, at one point I thought about just texting Gabe on the side and be like, Hey, can we just leave Paul alone? Cause I'm pretty <laughs> sure if it's just bugging the shit out of him right now. But I figured at some point you were going to jump in at, at the most inter- inopportune time and tell us some history story about, I don't know, Napoleon and his conquest or something like that when it was 02 in the bottom of the ninth. So I think um, one of my better ones was the Astros need three outs to win, gentlemen. <laughs> they could have tamed them through strikeouts or catching the ball in the field of play. Sometimes it's that simple. I also or out of, or out of the field of play. I also Savannah, offered Savannah bananas in Game Six of the World Series as the ninth inning began. This is when I began my texting to them, and I wrote, "This is an important inning, the ninth one." <laughs> yeah, 
That's also that's Paul's, that's Paul's first contribution. Me and Gabe have been talking on the same group text since the third, and Paul chimes in in the ninth. This, this is kind of important. This is an important inning, gentlemen. Uh, uh, I also gotta love it. Gotta love I also it. Uh, like to quiz Gabe and Randy uh, because the the Astros are obviously a, a very Latin organization, right? Their family atmosphere is one of the things that makes them so awesome. And so, because I don't like to keep up with which Latin American country the various Africans <laughs> are from, I just say they're all Mexicans. And so I'll ask things like, you know, what part of Mexico is Pena from? And they'll say, uh, well, or I'll say, what, what, what kind of Mexican is uh, fill in the blank? Who's the guy from Venezuela? Altuve. Uh, Altuve's, yeah. Yeah, Monokai down there. That's right. So that's to keep it simple, like, mostly to antagonize them and irritate them because they like to be very precise and like show their Astros knowledge. I basically just shit post the entire thread. And, and you got to imagine these guys are Astros fans. This this is like the ninth inning. They're super tense. And this means a lot to them. And I'm just babbling on their thread. Utter nonsense. I'm saying that the Astros should throw at every Phillies pit, uh, hitter to send a message in the ninth inning. And you know, Randy's just going. Please get off. Is there any way we could block him? Just, just lightening the mood. Just That's lightening right. the mood. So. There is a tension to baseball. You know, I'm just trying to lighten it up, man. That's right. Hey, if you you can play it loose, you can play it well. That's right. See, that's baseball talk right there. I like that. I like baseball. Baseball has good cliches. <laughs> a bunch of them. There's there's no sport with more cliches. No, you'd be hard pressed. I'd I'd love to hear the argument if there was golf. Does golf have a lot of cliches? I don't. I'm not good enough at it to get any of them. So, because baseball will have crossover cliches. Like you'll hear NBA players say, "I just want to play my game." You know, I was just playing my game. Yeah, true. Baseball players will say that now. Oh, I'm just let the game come to me. It's like, well, I think there's a lot of crossover when it comes to all sports now. A little all, bit. When all the cliches. Like, when it comes to like, especially the mental side of stuff, now that the, you know, sports psychiatry stuff is, you know, not shunned and kind of like a, a thing. Um, I feel like you kind of hear the same guy or the, the guys kind of say the same kind of stuff, but it's also true stuff. So we'll say fun. about baseball. One differential is if you're in a hitting slump, baseball players will do all sorts of crazy things and like, make the slump worse, right? Pitching same, right? No one in football is like, I kind of had an off day. I guess I'm going to throw the ball underhand now. Yep. They, they kind of just go back and go, you know, I mean, they might, they might tweak a thing or go, oh, hey, you're, 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 you're kind of uh, releasing it a little sidearm, you know, get it, get back over your shoulder. Baseball players will like, be like, I suck. I, uh, they'll scrap their entire approach that got them to the major leagues. And then they're out of the major leagues <laughs> fairly quickly. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. That's part of, part of the grind, part of the battle is you got to kind of let that kind of stuff go. But hold on. You're said than done. You mentioned the, said than done. You mentioned the grind. Let me write that down under the cliche points. Oh, it's definitely in there. There's right. t-shirts everywhere. I think everybody's got their own t-shirts. Rise and grind, grind this, grind that. It's like, and I, I thought that was just for coffee it. houses. We get All it, right. guys. We get it. Let's talk about a real sport. Let's talk about football. Can I ask a question? Yes. Did Kansas State play the right quarterback? 
Uh, I thought Will Howard represented a greater threat to us than Martinez. Uh, I, I'm of the same opinion. N- not many other people are of the same opinion, but I was glad to see Martinez out there. Several of my esteemed inside Texas colleagues uh, disagreed because that was a question we were actually asked in the pregame. Um, you know, which quarterback are you more scared of? I think me and Jerry Hamilton were scared of Will Howard. Uh, but Ian, Bobby, and I think, I don't know, I can't remember everyone's thing, but most of them said Adrian Martinez just because of his I, experience. I, I could have been jaded just because I saw Howard play an unbelievable game, which yeah. even their head coach admitted that's about as good as they could play. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying Martinez is a bad player. Or he was the reason they lost or anything, but I think Howard could have probably put a couple things in our secondary a little bit more under the duress. Yeah, I mean, when I saw them starting to hit downfield shots that were wide open, you know, one of them being the Cade Warner. You know, he's Kurt's son. I didn't realize that. Did you? It was Kurt's son, and then like his mom is Zach Thomas's sister or something. I think I heard. Oh wow! Okay, it's like a double football family. I don't. Know, I can't remember. Well, what it is. Cade runs a lot better than Kurt. That um, play. Did you go back and watch that play? I sure did. You want to talk about a zone buster? Oof. You, you can't cover that in zone. Well, are, you, are, you the, are you talking about the Malik Knowles play or the? No, Cade I'm talking Warner? about the. I'm talking about the Warner post. Okay, you know, yeah. Where they basically follow each other. He settles down for and like then a split second, and they divert. Coach, uh, Coach Irwin even mentioned it in his deal. He's like, you, you, I don't know if you can cover that in zone. Like, so you almost it, have to be in man. Here's the weird thing. Um, they had some complex route combinations that didn't really strike me as very Kansas State ish. Like, I thought they were more like the Colin Klein days of, hey, we're just going to run the quarterback at you and power this and power that. There was a couple route combos they ran, and even some of their running plays were a little more, uh, I don't know, imaginative. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Cade Warner route, this was on Jameer Johnson, right, that he scored mm-hmm. the wide-open touchdown middle of the field. And he almost ran a post and go. It was like a curl where post. he settled. Curl and, and was, go. The, yeah, it, it, it was, it was, a, I, I don't know that I. It was a curl and go that became a skinny post. Yeah. Is and that fair? So, yeah. He basically gave the other receiver time to break the corner off to where Taff had to go take the corner. And then our corner was sitting on his curl. And then by the time he ran the post, it was too late for Taff to come back. And I don't know where Johnson was. He was probably kind of like short middle of the field. But it would have been a, I don't know. It was it was tough. It was a tough concept, which I don't know. I, I don't think we're a very good zone team. I'd like to say, really? man. I, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think I think I think at this point it's been established, right? I just want to see it's like does this go man people up? If you get beat, you get beat. Screw it. Put a guy over the top. If you don't have a guy to cover, blitz. I I agree with you against Kansas State. Uh, even when. Even when Martinez is the quarterback, because, you know, if you if you play man against running quarterback, you're giving up some runs. But TCU is coming to Austin, my man. Hey, was Quentin Johnson hurt last week? Yeah. Is he hurt again? Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully a minor injury that doesn't hurt him in any way. I just checked the box score about halfway through the game. I was like, I know he went out of the last game, you know, with an injury, but he, he came back and played. And then. I never really checked it again, but nobody said anything about him. So so he had an ankle injury coming into that game, and he played through it. He was playing through it. It rolled on him, 
then he just was like, I'm out of here. Done. Because it was going to get worse. Yeah, no, no, I mean, they, they have other weapons at wide receiver that I, yeah, I, I agree. They, they do have other but weapons, we but, 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 if we can't cover, but if we can't cover them in zone and we turn them up wide open, then we might as well man them up and take our chances. True. You know, I will say this, because I, I know people are kind of doom and gloom about our ability to stop their passing game. Uh, one of the things that does help you a little bit, and this is going to help us if we can get a lead on offense, particularly, but... Even though Max dug it, we'll have a lead. There's no doubt about that. Uh, it's, it's baked in the game plan on both sides. I'll have to tell you about a bet I made based on this premise against Kansas State that almost cashed big time. It cashed half, half big time. But um, Kansas State's ability to run really does make you a little more honest, right? And you can get mesmerized by some of that, and, and you're so worried about Deuce Vaughn and all that. Uh, now, TCU still has a mobile quarterback. Their, their running back is the third best runner in the conference, in my opinion, Kendra Miller. But their passing offense, it's, it's apparent. There's, there's not a lot of deception in their passing offense. It's, it's like, hey, we've got four dudes and they're all running verticals or two are running verticals and two are running stops and or two guys are running slants and two guys are running vertical. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not trying to say it's like overly simplistic, but it's basically them lining up really wide and saying, Hey, we don't think you can cover our guys. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a Riley passing tree route concept. Yeah. And, and, and I do think that that is a little easier as a DB to understand, like, you know, you could still bust, but there's, there's not this thread of like play action over the top with K state and, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I think it should be if you get into where, and Rod talks about it all the time, if, if you line up and you see the split and you see everything, then you should be able to deuce everything down to, he's going to run four routes. I've seen it on film. Yeah. Which one is the most likely in this scenario? I'm going to defend that one. And if it's one of the other three, then I'll deal with it. Because you can't defend all 10 routes that he can, you know what I'm saying? Um, I don't know their offense well enough to get into that, but if if what you're saying is true, then hopefully we do our homework. And yeah, it's it's much easier than you know the typical play action over the top or your read read option route type offense. Well, I'll say this: a lot of their running game is a box count. Yes, very they, much so. They just yeah. come up and they count the box. And if you're under or you're honest and you're just crappy at defending the run, they hand it off to Kendra Miller. And they, they have like two or three running plays. But if they outnumber you, you're in trouble. And, you know, that's, that's the simplicity of Dyke's offense that's, that's, yeah. that's useful, at, particularly at the college level. It's, it's, it's a little browse-ish to me. Like very, not maybe to their, that level, but... It, it's definitely got its its components of of the Brawl style attack. Yeah, the 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 fear with Quentin Johnston, they've got a bunch of speed around him, and the reason he's so dangerous is he you can he's one of the guys on their team you can guard well and correctly, and he'll still make a sixty yard catch, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, his catch radius is about twenty freaking yards. Yes, he he's stupid. It, it sucks too because when I saw him in high school, because he was initially committed to Texas, right? I was 
I, I usually don't go out on a limb because I have a sort of, you know, generally speaking in Texas, wide receivers are a dime a dozen. If you, if you get good guys and you develop them, they'll, you'll have, you'll have wide receivers. I'm not super concerned about that, but I saw Quentin Johnston and I was like, well, he's going to be an NFL first round draft pick. And people are like, well, what do you see? He just seems like, you know, he seems like every other tall, skinny, good wide receiver. And I was like, dude, a guy with that radius, with that speed and that sort of agility at six, four, he's playing in the NFL. He's playing the league. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got a bunch of guys at this level and there's like two or three just above them. And yep. he was, he was one of them is, is one of them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's, that's a guy that's a bitter pill to loot. That's a bitter pill yeah, to swallow on that loss. Hope I hope he's healthy in two weeks. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. The Texas offense f- fell off a cliff in the second half. They've done this multiple times. I call it same, same, but different, which is there's different. different. There are different reasons each time it occurs, but there's a similarity and a sameness to it that can be frustrating. Um, I try not to conflate some of the things that happened last year with this year because I really do think it's different personnel. Um, and, and honestly, Randy, you know, people say, why did we go so conservative? Well, last week against Oklahoma State, we didn't go conservative. We're trying to hit deep shots repeatedly, and they're there, but we can't hit them. So we, this week, we did go conservative. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I don't know. Do we, is it, we're running out of plays. Is it he got scared of viewers on the road? Is it what, what, what explains that? I mean, look, when Xavier Worthy gets hit right on the ball and fumbles, I don't care. Like that's football. I understand like good play, good play, good play. Like I, there's people that are pants pissing about that. Like that's football. Move on. Like great play. Uh, But four penalties, four different guys on three drives that that's beyond players, man. If you have four dudes do it, right? That's not a player-specific issue, isn't it? I mean, there's some sort of broader team and discipline kind of nutting up issue in the second half. What's, what's happening, Randy? What's happening? Well, that, that was going to be my argument, is that I think when they actually were able to run a play, they executed much better than in previous weeks. Yeah. It's just the times that they weren't even able to run the play is what killed them. Yeah. Um, then you had a Missed a couple throws. Um, the fumble, like I mean, the fumbles, it's part of football. Like, I mean, he's, he's turning the guy, put his helmet on the ball, tip your hat to him and go. But um, it's just like the misses, the penalties, or the one play where we don't block them well, or the one play where we don't hit the hole correctly, or the one play where we don't, it's like at the worst possible time. Um, I don't know, man. I was on some teams that you just invented ways to lose games at the end of games. And until you won one, you couldn't get out of your own way. And I kind of feel like that's the way it's been. Like I even wrote it down in my notes. It's like we just can't get out of our own way. Like offense, defense, whatever. It's like when when something comes up and things are about to hit the fan, false start, penalty on defense, let them out of the first and 35. You know, you just – when you have a chance to bury somebody, we just can't do it. So hopefully, you know, 
we kind of got away with some stuff, and then the ball finally bounces our way at the end. We recover the fumble, and maybe that's the turning point to where, you know, it 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 flips, and it's like, okay, hey, everybody, kind of relax. We can do this. But um, is is Steve Sarkeesian is Sark elevating an above average football team into a great football team in the first half with play calls, his scouting, his game plan, and then. When that wears off, they're just, they're just an above-average football team. Yes, to an extent. I still would like to have somebody, maybe Bill Snyder can send him a handwritten note that says it's not illegal to run the same play twice. Yeah. Or, or at least a play you scored on with the play that comes off of that play. Um. Because there were some really good run wrinkles he had. We he, we ran a couple plays that we used to call it a G block. I don't I have no idea what they call it now, but basically where the guard and the tackle exchange, and then we brought the tight end around on the backside is kind of a counter, but not really. There's so much stuff you can do off that, and it's like as soon as they stuff that play once, we don't run it again. Yeah, it's like let's run that with the offshoot or let's do the jet motion to Keelan with let's fake flip it to him and then throw it to Sanders in the flat on the other side. Or so yes, to an extent Sark's opening script in this first half play calling is unbelievable. But in the second half, it just, I don't know if we run out of plays, if it dries up or what, but I'd just like to get to a point to where, hey, this place scored. Let's run it at least two more times and make them prove that they can stop it. Well, and if you understand defenders and a defender's mentality, right? If you own a dog and you do the little fake, um, I threw the tennis ball, but I didn't actually throw it, and your dog takes off, you could do that to your dog about three or four times before they just kind of run forward a little, then turn and look at you to see if you actually threw it. Defenders are not a lot different. That's the mentality. They want to run, pursue, hit, destroy, right? Yeah. And you can like you can run the play again. The the we've talked about it, two different things that pop into my head on this. So number one, the players know. Yeah. The players know when you can't cover that concept. They know they got beat for a reason. So they're either gonna know that they can't cover it or somebody's gonna try and overcompensate and get out of their lane and leave something else open. And then the other thing that I talked about before on a podcast get on, on the baseball analogy is just because the guy swung and missed with the slider down and away and stepped out and took a deep breath, he didn't just teach himself how to hit the slider down and away. So make him defend the damn thing. Like, hell, I just think about Oklahoma two years ago when they ran counters 75 times against us, and I mean, they didn't score all 75 times. We probably stopped it a couple. You just keep putting people in conflict over and over and over again. God, if you if just get Bijan out in space and get Roshan the ball, I'd like to see him get a little more touches. But I'm, I know you want Bijan to touch it about 25, 30 times. But, but I, I know he had the fumble. But, I mean, at this point, I think he's earned enough trust to get back in the equation. Yeah, but, if you can't trust Roshan at this point, you, you've got yeah, trust I mean, what, issues had, what, in general. 70, it's 70 car- seven carries for 63 yards. Yeah. 37 of those yards came on the fumble, though. You still get credit. Did you know True. that? You still, still do get credit for them. See? It's like, it's it's like, like a punt. punt. It's like a yeah. bad punt. Not That's a right. bad punt. An average punt. And it dribbles forward. Yeah. But 
I don't know. That's just my deal. And it's kind of been my thing with the whole year. Just run the damn thing again. One time, just, or run. If, even if you don't run, run the same play, run the same motion and try the, try the offshoot. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, I do wonder, here's the, the Sark sympathetic approach, which is he does have a, a true freshman quarterback. He does have an offensive line starting true, true freshmen and four underclassmen. There's one senior on that offensive line, right? Does that lead to a lot of coherent adjustments, in-game manipulation on the road against a, a tough opponent that brings pressure, right? Because one of the commonalities for all this, Randy, is other defenses ratchet up the pressure. They're either blitzing, stunning, bringing extra men in the box. And in the first half, there, there are teams doing that, believe it or not, and we hurt them. The question is, why are we not hurting them in the second half? Now, Oklahoma State, we could have hurt them if we connected on the freaking passes, right? Mm -hmm. And you can blame Ewers, you can blame Wind, Worthy, whatever you want. Um, Iowa State, end of game, Iowa State's in an honest box. We got the last drive of the game. Hey, let's hand it off. Five yards. Hey, let's hand it off again. 14 yards. Hey, you know what? Throw my headset on the ground. Just run the ball. <laughs> and and I, I I guess my point is, can we get past this when you've got Quinn Ewers, that entire offensive line, plus one year next year? Are you going to see them making adjustments? Are you going to see Quinn Ewers turning, looking at the sideline and then turning out and pointing out to Worthy and pointing to Sanders, getting them in a new call, and they 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 run a little you know flare pass that goes for thirty yards because they see the overload? Yes, probably. Yeah, so. probably right. Because, I mean, at this point, I, I think everybody watched the Iowa State game at this point in the conference, and it's like, we're not losing like that. Yes. So if you're going to beat us in the second half, we're going to make you make the throws. I mean, as a – And if, when we're still going to – and to Bijan and the offensive line's credit, we're still getting them. But if you watch the – oh, man, was it third and – third and whatever it was where he was going to try and throw the corner to Worthy to the left – um, and we just completely turned loose the right defensive end, or right backer. He was going to throw it to Bijan. He should have thrown it to Bijan. Are, are you talking about near the end zone? Yes, not the wheel route. Oh. He, he was going to, it was the one that just it popped out of his hand and went straight up in the air. I got it. And just floated in the middle of the field. Worthy's basically running. He's the inside receiver of the two or the three, and he's running a corner. He's going to be open. Didn't have time to throw it. So one of two things would have had to happen on that play. Either Bijan has to pick up. Well, I think Christian Jones turned loose the guy that he probably shouldn't have turned loose. Maybe he thought Bijan had him. Maybe he didn't. I don't know. But as the play developed as a quarterback, which you were a true freshman, asking him to see this to his right while he's trying to decipher what's going on to the left to throw it to Worthy is pretty much impossible. So Worthy's either got to chip that guy and slow him down so he's got time to throw it, or on third and three, Ewers has to look over and say, oh, Bijan's wide open because the guy that's supposed to be covering him is about to smoke me. Right. And we get four yards and a first down instead of the touchdown to Worthy in the corner. That's the thing that I think you'll see with growth in the offense and growth in the people is they'll figure out who's how that's supposed to work over there and who's supposed to pick that guy up. 
or the quarterback having seen it before will have that in his memory bank of, Hey, if this happens, I don't have time to wait on that. I can dump it over here for four real quick, get a first down. And now we, now we play from the 13. Yeah, I think that's the case. I look. So when I asked you that question that started this little conversation, I actually don't know the answer. I really don't, but I do suspect things will get better in every half, especially the second half. You've got a more experienced team where you can actually run some of the adjustments. I also think your point that we've harped on is, Hey, we can run that play again. It's not done. It's not spent. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, if it's a your triple reverse pass flea flicker, yes. Yeah, that, no, we're not running that one back. Don't yet. run that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a <laughs> one-timer. You got, but if you got a the year, little... One time a year. <laughs> that's right. But if you got a little uh, you know, interesting crosser action that ends up with Jatavian Sanders running in the flat uh, and it gets you 11 yards, I, I promise you they didn't make that adjustment on the sideline. And they didn't make it at halftime. And you can go back to that. Maybe on third and four with three minutes and 27 seconds left in the game. And you need a new, new, new set of downs. So, And this week, the screen game was real good. It's awesome. That's kind of a new new little wrinkle. Like, like I said, it, you keep adding layers to it. I just wish you could take like Bijan back a year of eligibility and have uh, him grow with the offense one more. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Well, so let's... um. We've got TCU coming, and so I I'm, I'm certainly want to talk a little bit about that, but when people look at our offense potentially next year, and I know it's weird to say that the offense will be better with a, a guy as good as B. John Robinson leaving the program, uh, I think they'll be better, and it's going to be because of the kind of the stuff we're talking about, right? It's not pure athleticism, lineup dudes where they're going to be drafted in the NFL. It's going to be your quarterback has a year of experience, your offensive line. I mean, think about what a MF or Kelvin Banks is going to be next year. And he's going to be all big 12 this year as a true freshman. He better be. So he's not something's wrong. So if you return four offensive line starters, your quarterback, Xavier worthy, Jatavian Sanders, Hey man, whether it's Rashawn or Jonathan Brooks or Keelan Robinson carrying the ball, whatever, uh, we're going to be just fine running the ball, and our passing game is probably going to go next level. I'll make this point even better for you. Better offensive line in 06 or 09. Yeah, that's great. Exactly right. 06, 100%, yes. right? Yep. Who, who's the better quarterback, Colt McCoy 06 or Colt McCoy 09, when he just knew how to dissect everybody and just diced everybody up? Yep. That that's what you're hoping for with viewers, and hopefully you continue to recruit, and your offensive line just stays as badass as you think it's going to be. And now you're cooking with oil. So the defense, we have got to have a combination of development for a really good defensive class that we signed last year, right? Yes. But that's got to develop, and then we've got to hit the portal. So this is the proof of concept of NIL, which is you got to mesh the development of a bunch of redshirt freshmen, sophomores. And true freshmen, because we're going to need some to play and play key roles with some experience. We got to go find that dude who is the five-year starter at Wake Forest at safety, who has 51 starts under his belt, and he wants to go do a year of real big-time football, get his grad degree, right, taking whatever minimum hours or 
progress towards his grad degree. Mm, no, it's, it's online courses now. It's online courses two, now. Two online courses. We've got to go find that guy. Yep. And it, and we've got to also go find the, the Ryan Watts, who is clearly a college starter who just got jammed up and missed Texas, right? He Man, missed being been, home. He's been so good for us this year. He's, I can't wait to see how good he gets. He's, he's going to be great. really good, and he's great against the run, which is one of his, his most underestimated aspects, right? And I just think if you can get four or five high-level NIL transfers, right? Starters, proven starters. I'm not talking about some guy who was a five-star three years ago, and he's fifth string at Alabama, right? So I think that guy's out there more now than he was two to three to four years ago. A hundred percent. That that guy's available. Before it was, you know, no offense, you're getting the Ben Davises and the Gofus that are solid players, but we're kind of down on the depth chart for a reason. Yep. Now you can go get the guy that you're talking about. He's like, hey, man, I'm tired of playing at Wake or wherever. I'm like, I want to go play some big boy football for a year. Like yep. th- Those people are out there now. I don't think they were a couple years ago. Well, I just think that they're aware of the opportunity, right? Yep. And, you know, I don't think people <clears> – <throat> I always dissect other teams, you know, to to the nth degree, I don't think people fully appreciate how many competitive teams in the Big 12 or the SEC, half of their secondary or more is all transfers, all graduate transfers, right? All guys who they went and plucked from somewhere else. That's their model. And Texas did finally hire a guy whose full-time job is to evaluate. We'll see how good he is at his job. But Texas has a lot to offer. Um, and I think there's, you're going to be able to offer a starting job. You're going to be able to offer a program on the upswing. You're going to be able to offer fun. Austin's a good place to go be the big man on campus. You could probably attest to that. And uh, we can offer a bunch of cash because now it's legal to pay players. Yep. <laughs> so it's not like the old days where people paid you in free nachos, Randy. That's right. Yeah. You get a free meal at players every once in a while. You get a yeah. You get a five dollar handshake every now and then from an alum, right? Uh, no, never. <laughs> five dollars. <laughs> you didn't get. I that just I'm said di- never. I didn't say what it was. <laughs> you didn't get that I was diminishing you there <laughs> from the hundred dollar handshake. No, no, we would have never done anything like that. Oh, uh, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad Texas is a perfectly pristine program in all of our programs. I'm I'm glad. Uh, we need to not be. We need to wear the black. We need to wear the black hat a little more often. Yeah, let's live in the gray a little more. All right. Well, let's let's talk about uh, TCU. Have you have you watched them play at all? I've actually seen them play a decent amount. They've been on uh, at opportune times for me. So they they uh, uh, obviously they have, seen Duggan play plenty. The, the TCU um, defense. Let's talk about the D a little bit. They have a knack for knocking the opposing quarterback out of the game. Very much so. Uh, what are they on? Five weeks in a row? I think f- they've done it four times, I think. Four or five, yeah. I mean, so it started with uh, started with OU, right? Yeah, it was, got, the week it was Gabriel. No, it was Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah, and then every week since then. Kansas so. State, they did it. Yeah, they, they unleashed Will Howard on them and, and when they hurt Adrian Martinez. They yep. probably shouldn't have done that. But, yep. um, yeah, so it was pointed out to me by a friend of mine that they only have hurt running quarterbacks 
So the solution there is that yours should not break into anything faster than a jog. Even if it's third and five, if he walks or jogs, they can't hurt him. I, I would agree with that in general for the rest of the year anyway, <laughs> yeah, regardless of who you're playing. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I think we can stress them defensively to a level that they probably haven't been yet. I think it's definitely the most talented team offensively they're going to play at this point. Yep. Um, I mean, I would, yeah, I would say probably Oklahoma was the second most and they played them with a backup quarterback for three quarters of that game. And even so they were, I mean, they were ahead by like 20 when they hurt Gabriel. So, yeah, the other thing is, so I watched TCU's defensive line and uh, they're Jags. They're just, they're just dudes. They're, I mean, they're, they're fine. They're not terrible. Uh, they're not TCU. I mean, they're not, uh, not TCU. They are TCU, in fact. Uh, they're not even Kansas State level. I think they take a lot of chances um, calculated. And DC does a lot of film study, you can tell. Uh, and when they come after people, when, what they do run blitz-wise is, is very, very calculated, like I said. Um, but I think they leave themselves open to getting gashed here and there. And they just haven't faced a team with the level of firepower that they're going to see this weekend. And hopefully we can take advantage of it. Yeah. And D winners, who's their leading tackler, best linebacker, leading sack guy. They don't get any pressure from their down defensive line. They get it all. No, it's, from it's all yeah. It's all second level blitzing. And D winners is out for the first half for targeting. I wish he was out for the second half. I'm not yeah. worried about yeah. Can we trade? Is yeah. that an option? Um, can you we, decline that? Yeah, we're we going to decline the first half. We're going to decline the first half. We're just selecting the third and fourth quarters that he's out. Uh, but yeah. So he's out in the first half. Um, they've got, a, obviously, a very good corner in uh, Tredavious Hodges Tomlinson. He not a, he's not a big corner. I actually wonder if they're going to like shadow Worthy with that guy. Because he's he's got a skill set that would probably be the most likely to bother Worthy in that Worthy can't just juke him out of his his shorts like he can a lot of guys. I don't even know how TCU. I don't know if they do. You know, I don't know if they do corner. Yeah, I don't field. know if they're still doing the match concept quarter stuff or not. But I mean, if I had a corner that I trusted, that's what I would do. Yeah. Um, and just okay, if one of your other guys is going to have to beat me on the outside or whatever, but. Also, you take a corner and you slide him inside if you hide Worthy in the slot or hide him as the three. You know, he's not really typically used to defending two-way goes and stuff like that, so it could be a recipe for disaster. But, um, yeah, if they have a guy that is that level, I mean, I'd probably at least try it and maybe throw a guy over the top to that side just to see if, you know, Whittington or Sanders or one of the other guys can can pop free. Have you – do you have any impressions of, I mean, so one thing I will say about their defense is I, I think, I don't think they're good. I, I think they've actually probably had their statistics inflated by knocking out opposing quarterbacks, right? They haven't had to face a good opposing quarterback for four quarters. Uh, I will say they're physical. I was going to say, I, the, the one thing I picked up is they're pretty aggressive and they're pretty physical. Yeah. They fly around, you know, they're, they're looking to, you know, they're looking for the kill shot. They're looking for the turnover hits, the strips, and all that kind of stuff, which kind of lends itself to their style of play. Um, I think they think they're going to score, and they don't really mind if they give up points. Um, 
they're just trying to get two to three more possessions than you get and mm-hmm. betting that they're going to score on two to three more than you do. Another broad observation for TCU, both defensively and particularly offensively, they're a second half team, specifically a fourth quarter team. Yeah, <laughs> so a, this is going to be an interesting volatile mix on very, Saturday. Very interesting. Can we, can we get a 70 point lead going in the fourth quarter? And if so, do you feel safe? If we're up 56 to 21, I feel like we can win by single digits going into the fourth quarter. We'll cover. Right? We'll, we'll cover. cover that. We'll cover at that point. <laughs> hey, are, are you surprised that it's the, the spread is seven? No. You think that's I'm just not. A, you think, well, it's kind of like Kansas State, right? Everyone was like, oh, how could Texas be favored? The, the guys out there, what they're basing all that stuff on doesn't really they don't care about records or anything. They're looking at talent and potential and what should happen, I guess, more so than anything. Um, it's college football. So I don't, I don't think anybody can throw a whole lot on a track record of what 18 to 22 year olds do. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it doesn't surprise me at home. We have the more talented team probably across the board. I don't know. I mean, they may be even in some areas, but more experienced, probably in some, but you know, Duggan has played a lot of football. He has, and I've seen him play very, very well, but I've also seen him play not so well, but the same could be said for, for our quarterback as well. For sure. One thing that's going to be interesting, and I don't want to invoke this game uh, because it was sacred. If you're a Longhorn fan who was there, you remember it because it's the most rowdy a Texas fan has ever been. It's 1990 oh. Texas U of H. It's, it's the only time I've ever seen a Texas crowd that was actually bloodthirsty. That's like the best description I can have of that. And they never sat the entire game. The, they never stopped screaming. It was nuts, Randy. You're, you're making faces like a Texas crowd. Yes, I was there. And anyone who was there can attest to this. I think there could be a potential. Look, this is a night game, six o'clock against a team that is going to be throwing the ball. Um, we've got the new stadium. Obviously, we broke it in a little bit, obviously, but we haven't had a good night game that with huge stakes. I mean, this, the stakes yes. here are no. we're going to play for the Big 12 title more, more likely than not if we win this game. And it's an opportunity to send a message. And it keeps my 38 cent playoff bet alive. <laughs> what's the what's the weather showing for saturday I it's mean, supposed look, to be in the 50s little, little chilly little ah, football weather man hitting weather so the That's crowd right. has no excuse but to show up good and drunk and angry oh no i, I was just looking at the the game day guide here because i'm All right, still we, kick do we have I'm kick i'm kicking around whether or not i want to want to make the trek up there or not how could you uh, not? <laughs> we got 5 a.m parking lots open paul there you go you should so be I'll there see, at 5 i'll 15. see you at i'll see you at 501 and uh we'll start drinking i don't know we'll we'll go some maybe start it off with a good old bloody mary and see where the see where the day takes us let me see yeah if i start drinking at 5 a.m i won't make it to the game that's one sign of getting old Consist- and soft consistency you just got to keep it keep it nice and level Keep it steady, Eddie. And then really ramp it up, like right there before the kick. So that you're violently ill. And I'm terrible at that. So it's the worst person in the world to, to listen to. It'll be 5 a.m. I'll take a nap about 11. All right. I'm seeing Saturday sunny, high of 57. Come on. 
I like Come it. Come on, Randy. We can do this. All right, so my challenge to you, if you're a podcast, Third Eye Blind, man. What's Third Eye Blind. <laughs> can you name a Third Eye Blind song? Uh, I can hum to one if you start playing it. Probably the one. Uh, the one that I know. And then they have another one called Jumper. I've heard. Yes, you're correct. You're correct. Yeah. Yeah. Not, is... not. Didn't really hit my my style of music back in the day. So you were uh, more Amy Grant. Yeah, I don't know who that is, but sure. She's like a Christian pop song, pop star. All right. Also, also not your real house. Randy was listening to Dawkins. Yeah, Slipknot. Slipknot. <laughs> well, that's good. At least it wasn't. Uh... I could have went Pantera. At least kept it in the state of Texas. Ah, uh, see, that would have been a, a nice move. I love yeah. Pantera. Uh, all right, man. What are what do we think on this game? Is Texas going to win? I think it depends on our first half. We need to be up by what twenty one? No, not necessarily. 17? I just think it has. To, I think it has to be a successful first half. Put the seeds of doubt in their mind. That, like I said, the players know. I want. I want them going into halftime saying, "Hey, if we don't get this shit figured out." I know we're a second half team, and I know they're not known to be a second half team, but I also know that we're not as good as them. You put that you put that in their head going to the locker room, I think you got a different game. And that can be up by seven and that can be up by twenty-one. It it, it can be manifested in different ways. Um I'm still I'm I'm coming off of two straight games where we should have ran a really good opponent out of their own stadium if we cut down on the mistakes. Well, we're in our stadium. I think we win by two touchdowns, honestly. I like it. I love it. Yeah, I, th- I think we're going to win. I don't know the. I don't know the. I don't know the score. I don't know the margin of victory. But there are times in college football, particularly, you get a hundred and three thousand and some change going nuts. And I hope and there's no excuse for Texas fans not to just not. It should be. I, I think it should, it should be, be an all you know top ten all time Texas crowd. Honestly, Angry. I mean where the program is sitting where the season sits like this is the opportunity to turn the corner as a program. I'm not trying to oversell this, but no, I mean, you got some fairly good uh, recruiting momentum popping up today, dude, no kidding. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say, you know, I mean, you talk about all the time that, you know, recruits don't play, pay attention to wins and losses, right? It's, it's a, you know, the whole overall, no, that's crap when it comes to this weekend. You, you roll into this thing and you win this thing and do it right. You're set up. Well, and I'll say this, the, the thing about that sacred Texas U of H game back in the day, and this is, at the, this is at the, on the heels, Randy, of a, a really bad time in Texas football. And U of H had been blowing out and humiliating Texas up until that point, running the, the run and shoot, right? It was, yep. you know, we're, we're <laughs> we got a line- team. Oh, it was Klingler. Yeah, it was yeah, the year okay. after Andre well, Ward. Um, but, I, was, yeah. I couldn't remember if it was which one it would have been at that point. On, on, on defense, we were still running our strong side linebacker out to cover the slot, if that helps you, right? Well, they ran, that, that was the, the big story about that game, right? That didn't. Who told that story? Somebody. Was it Brian Jones? 
he was there. That somebody told that story on the radio at some point. I don't remember if it was this year, years past, or whatever. But basically, going in, he said, "Whoever the DC or D backs coach or whatever was walked in the locker room and said, y'all are more talented than we're not changing our defense.'" Yep. It was like unheard of. It's like, no, they're doing the run and shoot. You got to put like seven DBs on the field. You got to do all this. And they're like, no, we're running base the whole game. I think, yeah, they, Brian, I think it was Brian Jones. I think he's, he, that's who told that story. They, and, I, and hearing it, I was like, that's nuts. And then they, apparently they just went and just destroyed them. I, I think they put in a nickel. Yeah, I do recall yeah, that. Sure, it's probably, it may have gotten embellished over the years. But they did line up Brian over the center. And this is yes. behind Shane Dronette, James Patton, Bo Robinson, Oscar Giles, a badass defensive line. And they said, we're bringing five on every down. And that's, Brian, we're bringing have to you. Throw it quick. Well, they're going to have to throw it quick. And Brian, we're bringing you because that's going to guarantee single blocking for all of our studs. Mm-hmm. And they hit Klingler so freaking hard. He was bleeding like in the late first quarter from like multiple wounds on his body. And every time it happened, the Texas crowd would just be like, yeah, I mean, it was nuts. And then they just physically dominated them. You know, Butch had not was like picking up U of H tacklers and carrying them in the end zone and dumping them. And it was, it was awesome. So, uh, and I remember this is when I was going to go to UT. So I turned to my dad and I'm like, just in time from college, UT football's back, dad. And he's like, yeah, son, I'm so happy for you. And then, eh, <laughs> not so much. Eh, well, <laughs> starting with the Miami Cotton Bowl, I, I got, I started to realize uh, that's when I went from my youthful optimism to the, you know, skeptic that I am today. Can't, but can't, can't have everything. Can't have everything, man. But um, yeah, man, uh, I'm pretty fired up for this game. I'm, I'm psyched. I really am. No, I I think I said it the last three weeks in a row that this is probably the most excited I've been for a game. But uh, no, this one's going to be pretty cool. And you take care of business this weekend. The rest of the season looks real fun. It gets real fun. It gets real interesting. Every game has tension because we're sure as hell not a rolling ball of butcher knives. And No, absolutely. I'm still in the same boat I've been all year. We could win every game the rest of the season or we could lose every game the rest of the season. We damn sure can go to Kansas and lose. And we damn sure can lose to Baylor. Yeah, so yeah, even if we beat yeah. TCU, every week's going to have yeah. drama and a lot of excitement. Yeah, I, f- I feel better about where the ceiling is yeah. uh, at this point in time, but I still think the floor is in the exact same place. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, if the floor is moving, that's a bad sign, Randy. It means you're in an earthquake. If it's coming up, it's okay. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, if actually, if the, floor's, if the floor is descending away from you, that's also bad, unless you think you can le- levitate. This is true. All right, man. Uh, anything else we need to add? I don't think so. I think pretty much nailed everything there. I didn't have anything really crazy. Oh, I did have one question. The, the third, the third and one play where we handed off to Roshan, it was like right after the, uh, right after somebody called timeout. Do you know what play I'm talking about? No. It's it third and one. We called timeout. Roshan took a handoff. Looked like it was going to be a decent play, and then we fall started right after and didn't get it. That was all my question. It was like, did the defense or the offense call timeout? Because I rewatched it a while ago and I couldn't tell. Oh, they I don't know. Showed it. That's, yeah. that's a good question. I don't know. I don't. So, I don't know. It was one of those deals where we subbed late, so they were doing the, oh my defensive tackles crawl into the sideline oh, deal. Yes, yes. So that was that was I, it us. Looked like maybe we panicked on the sideline. We're like, we're not going to get this off, but we granted the whistle blew. You never knew 
never know what was going to happen, but it looked like we had a pretty nice place set up and then obviously we fall start and it doesn't matter, but yeah, I do remember. Thing. Yeah, that, I do remember that. Um, oh, we've got to mention the Aggies. When, when the Sooners get beat, that's, that's fun. It's also fun when Texas wins, obviously the Aggies, everyone's like, all right, look, classic. This is a bounce back. They're at home. This is Florida's freaking grossly overrated and poorly coached it seems and their defense is garbage a&m the the whole team got the flu randy i don't know if you're aware of that somebody said or one of the guys online was like they were down like 30 something starters which granted wasn't all the flu it was like suspensions and injuries 30 something starters i was like i don't think you added starters for this game 37 starters but maybe you meant 37 players anyway but but yeah, no, I was. Connor yeah, Wegman had um, concussive had, flu. Have you ever had concussive uh, flu? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that one was interesting. I saw that. I was like, eh, does he or does he not? But that was a bad look last week, regardless of what went down. That was not good. Um, but yeah, that's not what they needed. But obviously, it's good for. The only thing that could have been better is if uh, Brian Kelly didn't seem to figure things out because now we got to worry about him right across the river over there. But it seems like the guys north of us and the guys just to the east of, east of us are, are helping out on the recruiting side a little bit. Yeah, and I think Texas is about to be the be- 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 uh, big beneficiary of that. Um, and, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think Brian Kelly's Mr. Magnetic, but he's going to hire a staff to go recruit. And No, I mean, they're – Look, the guy's record, you're going to get coached up. It- yeah, and everybody, like I said, we, we kind of made fun of it a while ago with the, the family deal or whatever, But and everybody talked about it. And it's like, oh, he doesn't fit. If you win at LSU, you fit. They had a guy that coached football there that ate grass. Yeah. You won a national title. Well, Nick, You win, you'll be all right. Nick Saban's not exactly Mr. Grits and Hominy. Yeah. Alabama, he, yeah. He, he fit in at LSU and Alabama just fine by putting up yeah. titles, right? Yeah, you, you win football games, you fit just fine. They'll adjust to you. And they'll find is, your they'll find your Yankee ways charming if you yeah. put up national titles. And I, I agree with everybody that's had this take online and on the the talking head shows or whatever. I think he he finally realized that he had done all he could do where he was and yeah. wanted to play wanted to play with a different deck of cards. And he's got a he's got a different deck of cards for sure. No doubt about that. All right, my man. Always a pleasure. We're going to cut this one brief for us. An hour and a half is brief. Yeah. New record. We're going to have to do it again. Um, I don't know. Maybe if we get a wild hair, we'll do a brief one again this week if you're down. Or maybe we can, I don't know, if you, if it's, if uh, maybe we can even do a quick react sometime. That might be interesting. Yeah. Probably better to do it closer to the end of the game where I can actually still remember what happened. Yeah, that, that actually helps. <laughs> I'm feverishly consulting. You throw, you notes. throw three kids and work in the mix. It's a little. Some stuff gets shoved to the back of the old memory. My notes are decent, but they're not that good. I'm with you, man. <laughs> All right. Well, hey. On that note, speaking of Randy Boone's notes, hook them. And if y'all are in Austin, you better show up a little inebriated and a lot angry and ready to yell for four quarters till the final second. Because I have a feeling. Texas is going to need to hang on in the fourth quarter and uh, the crowd can help them do it. I agree. Let's do it. All right. Hook them. See you, man. See you.